But if you were unclear about your what and why, you're never going to be able to get to that end destination, which is where you really want to be. Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on all my deals. If you're thinking about investing passively in real estate and you want to learn how to evaluate a deal, especially in today's crazy reality, I created a free guide that walks you through the top five critical deal components that any passive investor must examine. You can find it if you just go to my website, www.elliperlman.com. All right, let's get to it. So my guest today is Steven Pesavento. Steven is the host of the podcast, The Investor mindset, which I recommend you to check out. And Stephen has been buying and flipping over $22 million in real estate within two years, which is pretty impressive, a total of 150 deals. His company focuses on rapid growth and modeling success. So Stephen is from a small town in Minnesota and a graduate of St. John's University. His life mission is to help others live a better life every day have fun, and make money. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to be able to reach your audience because you've been doing some amazing things. I absolutely love what you do, Ellie. So let's get into it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's kind of start talking about a little bit, you know, if you can share a little bit of your background and how you found yourself playing, you know, in the real estate game. Yeah, it's such a good question, right? I feel like my story is similar to a lot of people, probably a lot of your listeners who are really excited about real estate, about what it can do for their life and how it can really help them achieve that independence, that freedom. And so when I was just 17, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but it took nearly a decade before I had taken action and bought my first property. You know, I started out in management consulting, was working that corporate the corporate gig, working for Fortune 500 companies and doing process improvement, understanding how to run these companies more efficiently and effectively. And, you know, fast forward, I had this moment where all these years I kept saying, I want to do real estate. This is a thing that I want to do. But there was always something holding me back. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate. There's that feeling of, well, I don't have money or maybe I don't have the experience or maybe I don't have the connections or the family background in it. Maybe I don't know anyone doing it, so how am I ever going to be able to learn that? And thank God I was able to overcome some of those limiting beliefs because once I did dive in that first year, we went from zero to 75 flips. And in the last three years, I've done over 200 properties and now are focused on 
you know, buying big multifamily so that we could really scale up. Because after doing so many of these single family deals, I realized that in order to really get where I want to go and enjoy the process of the people that I want to work with, we need to be focused on bigger and better opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good segue to our asset, you know, section. You mentioned that you started with single-family homes and you transitioned to large multifamily properties. And I know that a lot of investors are actually asking themselves, should I start with single-family homes and then, you know, graduate, quote-unquote, to multifamily or maybe start with small multifamily properties, maybe, you know, triplex, quads, maybe seven units, and then continue to large multifamily properties. What are your thoughts? Well, I actually just covered this on the podcast in an eight-part series. So head over there. Definitely go check it out. Regardless of when you're listening, you can head over to the investormindset.com slash multifamily and get access to the whole reasons why we made this switch and some of the benefits of multifamily. But to me, at the core, single family offers people the ability to get started with a very low barrier to entry. And they're starting at a low barrier to entry with control. And so when it comes to investing, you really got to start out by asking yourself, do I want to be in control of every single decision and every single thing that happens? And with that, there's consequences that go along with that decision. Or am I happy or excited about the opportunity to give up control in order to have some of the benefits or some of the consequences of going that direction? And that's the passive investing question, giving up control versus the active of holding on to it. And for some personalities, they need to have that control. And so with the low barrier to entry, they can go down that path and feel a little bit more comfortable like they're hands-on on that investment. And the reason I went that direction was because, you know, for years and years, I had been, you know, around people working in the single family space. And I had grown up framing houses and, you know, being around what was going on there, but I didn't have that experience. And I also didn't have any connection to multifamily. I'd heard about it, but I thought that seems so big and so far off. And so I was intimidated. I wasn't really introduced to it being a possibility or potential. However, the upside of going towards focusing on commercial property is that you get this opportunity to scale. And, you know, after doing 200 flips, you know, out of state, I live here in Denver, Colorado. So if you guys are ever in the Denver area, please give me a shout. But I invest in Raleigh, North Carolina and back in my hometown of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so, you know, doing deals when you're talking about on the single family side, it's one thing to do one deal at a time. But when you've got 10 flips going, it requires a whole team and those people can execute really well, but it's harder to have the economies of scale or the ability to oversee everything. But when you're looking at a really large building, it makes sense to fly out there and do all of your due diligence and get your own visual eyes on that property as an active investor. But as a single family investor, it didn't make sense for me to do that. I just couldn't afford it. There's not enough margin in the deal. So after doing so many deals and then buying a bunch of rentals with the anticipation that that would give me the passive income that I was looking for, I realized that it wasn't impossible, but it was improbable that I was going to be able to reach my goals as quickly or as effectively as I wanted to being stuck in that position of getting those calls from managers and dealing with all the day-to-day BS that goes into running individual assets versus being able to focus on something that's much larger and you have professional management, even though you're asset managing in that space, 
things end up running more smoothly than when you've got a hundred different properties with a hundred different finishes and all the negative things that go along with that. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot agree more. And I think that's a very good summary of, you know, the benefits of multifamily versus single family homes. And, you know, as someone who was in single family homes and kind of transitioned, not kind of, but actually transitioned to multifamily, what are your thoughts about investing in those two types of investment, those two investment vehicles when it comes to COVID and how those two assets are actually performing in today's reality? Well, here's the challenge that I see with single family investing. And it's true if you're talking about pre-COVID and it's true post-COVID is that single family investments are valued based on the property itself and the area or location that it's in. Meaning, if I improve a property, if I'm going to flip it or I'm going to hold on to it as a rental, it is only as valuable as what the neighbor's houses have sold for in the past. Even if I've got a really great business plan in place and I'm making a lot of money, it's really just based on the asset. Now, with commercial, it's based on the income, on what that net operating income is, meaning that if I've got something that's at a five cap and I increase it by $1 in new income coming in or reduce the expenses, I'm actually increasing the value of that property by $20. So why that is important post-COVID is that Right now, houses are flying off the shelf because people are looking to buy single family homes for them to live in. However, if something shifts in the residential market and all of the home values go down, then you're going to see a huge depression in that market, make it much harder to hold on to your value, harder to be liquid. And of course, the same thing can happen in multifamily because rents can go down. However, I think you end up having a little bit more control in the commercial space, being able to run your business plan a little bit more effectively because you're in control of what happens to the actual value based on your ability to run that property really well versus you're not really in control of what your neighbor sells for, what the other neighbor sells for. So you're kind of just hoping that things keep going up. Right. And we basically call it forced appreciation. You have the power to force appreciation on your property. and You just don't have that much flexibility and control when it comes to single family homes. Now, Stephen, I want to kind of transition and talk a little bit about strategy in your podcast. It's called The Investor Mindset and you're very, very, I think, focused on mindset, which I think is great. And I think it's something that is so important, especially in, you know, today's crazy, you know, reality, the crazy world that we live in today. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the right mindset during a pandemic. What are, you know, some of the issues and the struggles that either you, you know, are experiencing as an investor today or that you see other colleagues or real estate investors, you know, their issues and struggles and how do you think the mindset can actually help? Well, I think at first, let's define mindset, right? And the way that I define mindset is really, it's just a parallel to your thoughts and beliefs. So the thoughts and beliefs that you have that really make up the way that you think, it's like your operating system. Well, those thoughts and beliefs end up leading to the action that you're going to take. So having the wrong sets of thoughts and beliefs or the wrong mindset is going to really hamper your ability to take action. 
And so, yes, the tactics are super important. We want to get tactical. We want to get strategic and know how to apply those strategies within our investing business. But they're worthless if you aren't able to execute on them and take action. So I really believe the foundation starts with changing those thoughts and beliefs and being able to upgrade the way that you think so that you're putting yourself in a position to be able to actually go out and do great things within your business and for your family and within the world. And so to your specific question, you know, how do people handle what's going on in the world? What are some of the big struggles that our people are dealing with right now? I think one of the biggest struggles is staying in a productive, progressive state, meaning that they are staying in a place where I am going to solve problems and I'm going to move forward regardless of what challenges come up. A lot of people are receding into fear. They are recognizing, well, hey, all of this stuff's happening out in the world. I'm watching the news. I'm seeing protests go on in my, my home state, in my home block, right where I used to live. People are burning down buildings and it's happening across the country. And then on the other hand, people are watching the news and they're hearing about what's happening with COVID and from a health crisis or what's going on in the economy. There's a lot of fear that's holding people back. Well, the way to overcome that is to make sure that you can put yourself in the right state, that you can have those right thoughts and beliefs. You can keep taking that action and not let it be an anchor, something that's going to keep you in place, but rather be able to pull up that anchor and turn it into an engine, something that can drive you forward. So one of the big things that I really believe that you have to do is you have to keep putting in positive, progressive, productive information into your mind on a daily basis. If you're going to open yourself up to go and check out what's going on in the world, what's happening external to yourself, then you better make sure that you're in the right state of mind to let that information in so that you can block out the stuff that's not going to be useful, but you can still take in the information to understand what's happening in the economy and not just put your head down in the sand and try to ignore what's going on. I don't think that's the way to do it, but instead to be able to take that information, take it in and say, hey, well, because all these things are happening, these are the steps that I need to take in my business that are different and try not to let the emotion hold you back because otherwise, you know, that fear, that anxiety, that uncertainty is going to creep in and it's going to stop you from doing the important things that first your investors need you to do, but most importantly, your family and everyone around you that's going to be impacted by those decisions are hoping that you're going to do. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's pretty challenging also to get into the right mindset, especially if you haven't been focused on mindset to begin with, trying to figure out how you can get into the right mindset, how to, you know, what steps you need to take while trying to figure out, you know, what to do with your family, your investments. You know, I think there's a lot kind of to process. From your point of view, what do you think differentiate the investors who struggle from those who, who don't struggle and are able to apply the right mindset? I think that's a great question and I'll kind of like reposition it a little bit that I think everybody goes through struggle, but the difference is the successful investors, the successful entrepreneurs, the successful leaders, they take that struggle and they look at it from a different perspective. They're maybe even able to detach themselves, be able to take two steps back from the problem that they're dealing with. They're able to look at it from a different perspective. It's always easier when your friend's going through a problem or a crisis to give them advice and know exactly what they should do. But when you're in the middle of it, sometimes that can be very difficult. But one of the things that I think is really, really important 
is that you're being intentional with the things that you're doing on a daily basis. And mm. after interviewing hundreds of investors on the Investor Mindset podcast, what I realized was that majority of the beliefs or the thoughts that these folks are living with, that they're, they're operating with, are all the same. They're all very, very similar. And so one of the first things of these five successful principles or five principles of a successful investor, which we've got a great ebook I'll share with you guys in a little bit, one of those first things is that they look at challenges actually as opportunities. So, you know, something really terrible happens in the world, something terrible happens in their business, and they end up looking at that from a perspective of saying, hey, well, how am I going to learn from this? How am I going to adapt? How am I going to move forward? Versus asking themselves questions that aren't going to be productive or progressive or push them in the right direction, such as, why did this happen to me? Why am I going through this? You know, how could I ever get out of this situation? Who is ever going to invest or believe in me again? Those things aren't going to put you in the right direction. And I'll tell you a quick story that, you know, after flipping and, you know, doing so many investments, of course, we had some failures along the way. You know, we've had a few deals where our investors, because we put them in a specific type of deal structure that they were going to get paid out a set fee, regardless of what the result was they all made a lot of money. Well, we were striking checks for one deal in particular. I, I wrote a check for $75,000 and it was one of the best days of my life to know that that property was sold and it was off my books. And I was celebrating it because not only did I learn that my risk profile is actually a lot less aggressive than I originally thought it was. I'm a much more of a conservative investor than mm -hmm. I had thought myself to believe. But also by going through that experience and having that loss happen early in my career, luckily not, not too early. So I had the money to be able to, you know, get out of that situation. But by having that early in my career, I was able to establish what it feels like to have a big investment loss. So that when I go into larger deals, when I go into other opportunities, I'm not repeating that same issue. I'm not repeating that same problem. So never again have we run into that same problem that cost us 75000 but it was a great opportunity for us to write a check, pay for the lesson, and be able to move on to do great things. So I think that's one thing that really, really smart people do is that they look at those challenges actually as opportunities to grow rather than hold them back. Yeah, that's a, a very, very good point. Now, Stephen, let's talk a little bit about the process of getting into the right mindset to diffuse stress, to diffuse, you know, limiting beliefs, which I think is the number one thing, even more than stress that can hinder someone's success. What are kind of, you know, some specific tactics or steps that you know, someone, an investor or any individual can basically take to eliminate stress and to get into the right mindset in such unprecedented times? Yeah, it's such an important question to answer. How can somebody get in the right mindset? And so as a reminder to everybody, you can get the ebook that I was just describing at the investormindset.com slash principles. It's about 15 to 20 pages. It's got a lot of great information from amazing guests that we've had from Chris Voss to Joe Fairless 
to Rod Khalif and everybody in between. So I really highly encourage you guys to take advantage of that at the investormindset.com slash principles. But it's actually principle two and principle three that I really believe help lay out the foundation of how you can make sure that you can get through any of those challenges and stay in the right mindset. And so what it really comes down to is having ultra focus by being able to be really, really clear on what you want and why you want it. Most importantly, what you want, because so many people end up going out into the world trying to do things and trying to do too many things. But if you're able to get ultra focused and choose one, maybe two things to focus on, niches, types of real estate investments to make, types of ways to you know, make additional income, businesses to focus on, whatever that is for you, it's getting really focused and then understanding what you want and why you want it. And then from there, you can build an action plan around it so that you can actually figure out how you want to build the life that you want. So if you're an investor and you're you know, a high income earner and you're living this great life and you're making all this money, but you're thinking to yourself, well, I really want to set myself up with a plan so that in case something happens, I know that my family is going to keep making money even if I'm not able to physically go and do it. And so mm -hmm. with that kind of view in mind, you're probably going to start you know, deciding that the what is you know, passive income that is going to set my family up for security. And the why is so that no matter what happens, I know that they're going to be taken care of. Even if the worst of the worst happens to me or to them or the economy, I'm going to be in a good position. And then the how becomes easy because then you can go out and find different strategies that can end up getting you there. And maybe one of those is, you know, passively investing with Ellie or passively investing with me or many different operators that are succeeding in this industry and finding ways for you to be aligned with those incentives. But if you were unclear about your what and why, you're never going to be able to get to that end destination, which is where you really want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important. It doesn't matter even when the economy is strong, there's always going to be times of struggle, of frustration, when you feel burnt out. And if your why is not crystal clear, you're going to have a hard time, you know, pushing through the, the hard times. And I wanted to ask you kind of before we move to the lightning round questions, before I started recording, you mentioned the five key principles of, you know, getting you to the right mindset when it comes to investing in real estate. Can you talk a little bit about those principles? Yeah, absolutely. So the first principle of the successful investor, and remember you guys, this is coming from some of the best investors and authors and thought leaders in the world. And what they all have in common is that they look at challenges as opportunities. They don't let them hold them back. The second thing that they all do is they have ultra focus which means if you are meeting somebody at a real estate investor event and they tell you, I'm investing in single family and I'm investing in multifamily and I'm thinking about self-storage and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, unless they're extremely successful already, nobody should be focused on more than one business, maybe two at a time, three max, because your brain can only hold three mm -hmm. concepts at core at a time. So they're ultra focused. The third thing is they get a crystal clear set of goals put together and they plan intentionally how to reach those goals. So we just talked about that. And then fourth is they know their why, their purpose. And their purpose is bigger than them. Their purpose is something they can connect to and that is a driver. It's a combination of pain and pleasure. It's a combination of the things that they want and of course, the things that they don't want. You know, if you go through some kind of terrible 
life event and you're in pain, that's the moment that people make change happen. Well, mm -hmm. if you're really intentional with your purpose, you can put yourself in that state to be motivated, to be driven without having to have that loss happen. And I think you guys all know, I, I recently lost my younger sister in a car accident. It was unexpected and it completely changed my life. But in that moment, my life changed and so did my focus. But you can bring yourself into that place without having to have that loss happen so you can make those changes really go down the path for greatness. And finally, the fifth one, the one that really brings it all together is that they maintain phenomenal mentors and coaches in their life. And there's a difference between a mentor and a coach. A mentor is someone who's been down the path that they want to go down and can show them the way or can lead them down that path. And this could be somebody that they work with directly in a paid relationship, or it could be somebody that they're following from afar, like a digital mentor, like to me, Tony Robbins and Tim Ferriss and Ellie Perlman and you know, all these different folks that I can connect with from afar without actually getting an opportunity to get on the phone with them and ask them questions. But then a coach is somebody who maybe hasn't been down that exact same path, but they know the path well. And they've understood the path, but what they're really good at is asking questions to help make sure that the players, the people, you on the path can get the most out of yourself. So it's important to know the difference, but that ends up wrapping up all five of these principles together because when you're really clear on what you're doing, you're really clear on why you're doing it, you've got yourself a plan, you're ultra focused, you see challenges as opportunities, and you've got great mentors and coaches to help make sure that you stay focused on those things. It's almost inevitable that you'll get where you want to go. It might take longer than you thought, but you'll get there eventually. Absolutely. Well, that was really, really interesting. Steven, thank you so much. And I think it's time for the lightning round questions. Are you ready? Ooh, let's bring it on. All right. So Steven, what's your favorite hobby? What is my favorite hobby? I think that business is one of the most fun things. And I'm told that business isn't a hobby. So I had to go find some other things to do. And so when I'm on the beaches, when I'm you know, out in LA or you know, traveling, I love to go kiteboarding because it's just something that brings me out of my uh, mind and into my body. And I just get into that same place. And when I'm here in the mountains in Colorado, it's snowboarding. So those two things are two of my favorite things. Of course, I love, you know, listening to books, listening to podcasts, connecting with people, and just having some really deep conversations where you really get to think, hey, well, you know, what can I learn here and how can I keep growing? All right, all right. So Steven, is there one thing that people don't usually know about you that you feel comfortable sharing? What do people not know about me that I would feel comfortable sharing? Such a good question. I mean, you're kind of an open book, right? Nothing really comes to mind. I kind of just share things pretty openly. I've, you know, yeah. I've had some huge challenges in life, some huge failures. And I think that those failures end up creating the greatest growth moments that you could ever think of. You know, early in my career, I had started a startup with a couple friends that had just graduated from Stanford and we went down this path and we had this great idea and we were working on a on-demand storage company with kind of an Amazon-like interface. And we're out doing this great stuff. But then we realized like, oh, we're heading down the wrong path and we had to shut it all down and we decided not to raise capital. And it's when you go through those failures that all of those experiences have directly led to the successes that I'm now having. So mm -hmm. I think if there's anything that people don't know, and I don't know how you wouldn't know, because I'm pretty open book, 
is that failure is actually just the next door opening. You just have to be willing to walk through it. You can stay in that state for as long as you want and feel bad about it, or you can just decide to say, hey, well, this is actually awesome because now I don't have to focus on this business anymore. I get to focus on this new thing. Well said, well said. And you talked a little bit about, you know, how you started in real estate and the trials and tribulations that you went through. What you wish you had known when you just started investing in real estate years ago? I think there's two things that I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known that it takes longer to accomplish the things that Mm. you really, really want to accomplish than you think it's going to take, but you can accomplish a lot more than you believe you can when you look at it from a long-term perspective. And so coming at it with that kind of belief in mind would allow me to relax a little bit to let space happen, to be okay with things taking longer than I think and not try to you know, push things forward, but instead create space and allow things to happen, which was a big moment for me. I think the other thing is I've always been a big believer in mentorship and coaching, but I always had a fear about it. You know, when I first got into real estate, I ended up joining this phenomenal mastermind and masterminds have changed my life and that's why I'm a big believer in them. So. I am a big proponent of going down that path. However, before I went down that path, I was convinced that spending any money on coaching or mentorship was a huge scam. Mm -hmm. And that anybody who did it was an idiot. And that, you know, when I hear people spending a bunch of money, I'd think, oh, that person's an idiot. You can get all that stuff for free online. But then I realized because I had a great business partner who was convinced that joining the mastermind was really going to up-level us to the next level. And that day, just joining the Facebook group alone and reading through the comments of past conversations, I was able to up-level and pay for that entire program just off of one of the strategies from the Facebook group. So the next two years of being a part of that program was one of the reasons I was able to scale up my business. So I'm a big believer in coaching and mentorship and I have multiple coaches for different areas of my life. And I don't really do a lot on the coaching and mentorship side a little bit. If you're interested in work with me, you can definitely reach out, but I'm just a believer to go find people who are doing what you want to do and find a way to be around them. If that means Mm -hmm. paying, get your checkbook out and step your butt up to the plate so that you can actually go and do the things that you really want to do and stop making excuses and holding yourself back. Mm -hmm. And speaking of finding people, where can people find you, Stephen, if they want to reach out to you and chat or ask questions? Great question. So I am very active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So head over to just search my name, Steven Pesavento on any platform. You'll find me right away. There's only one. So head over there or I highly encourage you to head over to the investormindset.com slash principles and get the printout of everything we just talked about. And you'll be able to jump in and learn a little bit more about what we're doing. You can always respond to any of those emails and they'll get routed to me and I'll be able to help you guys down the path. Happy to answer any questions from an active investor standpoint. If you guys are thinking about kind of going that direction or if you're interested in investing, you know, just respond to one of those as well as we've got a lot of passive opportunities for our partners in future deals. All right, Stephen, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really enjoyed it and I think there's so much value to what you've, you know, all the topics that you've discussed. And I'm sure, you know, listeners can take something out of it and that can really help them scale, you know, grow and get into the right mindset, which is so, so important. Yeah, I encourage you guys to take action. One thing from today, pick it 
run with it, apply it in your life, and let me know what the results are and what kind of changes or feelings or emotions end up coming out of it. Love to hear from you guys, so definitely hit me up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.